This season of Well and Good is sponsored by Subaru, the perfect car for living a full life in New Zealand. New Zealanders are doers, the type of people who are always pushing to sneak a little more out of life. We're up early to sneak in a morning swim or out surfing to catch that one last wave. If you want to do a little extra, do it in an all-wheel drive Subaru. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Well and Good with Art and Matilda. My name's Matilda. And my name's Art. Kia ora, guys. Good to have you here. We've got a really interesting chat today. Our guest is Nigel Beach. He's an awesome guy, a wealth of knowledge. And a friend of ours, I would say. And a friend. A great cooker of slow meats. Slow cooked meats. <laughs> no, I prefer cooker of slow meats. <laughs> yeah, he's a cooker. slow of... animals. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking your snails, your, your turtles. Your sloths. <laughs> Delicious. Anyway. Anyway, so Nigel is a, uh, he's been a, well, he, he's been a physiotherapist for over 18 years. He's worked um, in the health industry for two decades, a really interesting journey he's been on. And um, he's a certified Wim Hof instructor. So that's what we talked to him a lot about today. Um, the Wim Hof method to do with cold water immersion, breathing techniques, uh, controlled exposure to stress and all the different benefits that these things can have on our bodies um, physiologically and mentally. Because I guess the whole Wim Hof cold water situation is all over Instagram at the moment. So you might be wondering what on earth it is, why are people having ice baths and, uh, you know, what's going on? So yeah, What the hell's going on? So, so we get into that in this podcast. Yeah, we cover topics of mental health and like optimizing performance. It's super interesting. We know you're going to love it. Let's go. And we're live. Hi, Nigel. How are we going, Art? <laughs> yeah, good, mate. Um, thanks for your time. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, been looking forward to chatting with you for a long time. We've been friends for a couple of years now. You're the reason that I have my cold showers first thing in the morning. Awesome, mate. And uh, you're up here doing a Wim Hof workshop in Auckland? Yeah, that's right. Tomorrow we're taking another fundamental workshop into the Wim Hof method, which is really, it's a four-hour workshop where we started talking about the fundamentals of the Wim Hof method. Yeah, cool. Because we're seeing more of it, but we just sort of break it down into the real understanding, and then we go through the components, which is the cold, the mindset, and then the breathing Cool. Yeah, the whole kind of Wim Hof method has really blown up, I guess, over the last maybe year, would you say, year and a half? Yeah. Can you tell us who Wim Hof actually is? Yeah, and how did you get into it? Yeah. Yeah, sure thing. So I first heard of Wim about four years ago, and I think what really blew up his sort of, because he's been around for a long time doing this method, but what really gave it credence was he did this study where they injected him with E. coli, and he managed to defeat the E. coli, which is an endotoxin, which should make you quite unwell, give you fever, nausea, and flu-like symptoms. And he defeated that within 15 minutes. <laughs> so it was like, hey. So the scientists were like, hey, that cannot be done. According to our textbooks here, yeah. that cannot be done because that's influencing the autonomic nervous system, which is your innate immune response. So uh, what happens when you get infected with something or you get some kind of pathogen introduced to your system? Well, your body goes into action. Mm. But Wim showed that he could influence that, that autonomic, automatic response. So that was the real big thing that got him into the mainstream, took him from being a circus act, because we all knew that he could do these remarkable feats like climbing Mount Everest in his shorts. He got up to the death zone on Everest. 
I remember seeing some something on TV. It was like a Ripley's Believe It or Not or some sort of Guinness World Record show. And he was Love swimming under. Show. Yeah, he was swimming under ice. Yeah, swimming under ice. So he does all this through his breathing, right? Yeah. That's how he stopped the E. coli? Yeah, that's it. And then what was really cool is in typical Wim fashion, like, so the scientists were like, whoa, Wim, you're amazing. And he, he's just so generous. He said, no, I'm not amazing. My method is amazing. I can teach this to anyone because he's really about trying to give this to the people rather than make him a David Blaine or someone like that who's going to take all the fame. So what they did, they did a study where they took 15 people, gave them to Wim for two weeks. In 10 days, he rang up and said, they're ready, they're ready. And they injected them all with E. coli and then they had a control group. And the control group were injected and they, of course, got all of the negative effects of the endotoxin fever, flu-like symptoms, and nausea. Whereas Wim's group all defeated this E. coli. God, you'd be gutted to be the other group, eh? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what are you signing up for there? I wonder if they yeah. knew. I wonder if it was a blind trial. But yeah, so that's what really got him into the medical. Um, the medical realm could not ignore that because it was just in the hard right science. Yeah. So, no speculation. So then can you pretty much use this method to treat a whole bunch of sicknesses and ailments and stuff? Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing because... What is the fundamental for disease process? Well, inflammation is at the heart of so many disease processes. So WIMS technique does decrease inflammation. And we might get onto it later on talking about depression. And, you know, 40% of people with depression have elevated inflammatory markers. And that's part of the causal process, which is quite a significant thing in science to find a causal link from one thing to a disease. So let's say from inflammation to depression. So that's pretty powerful. So it really just opens up the doorway to, well, how are we actually treating depression? Should it be with these SSRIs, these serotonin reuptake inhibitors? Because what's happening in this group of people, so around the 40% mark with high inflammatory markers, the SSRIs don't actually work very well. Yet they get all the side effects. You can be guaranteed of that. But the effectiveness isn't so good. So should we be looking at other anti-inflammatory techniques for depression? It's such an interesting study. Yeah. So what do you think the main triggers of that kind of inflammation is? Could it be diet, lifestyle, just general toxins from products and yeah. yeah? Yeah. I think the environmental factors are huge. And then we've got social factors. And then we've got stress, which is to, say, bacteria or even a lack of bacteria in our lives now because of this age we're living in, this modern life of sterilization. Mm. Like some of that bacteria is good for us. Mm. And if we don't have enough, then that can lead to inflammation as well. It's a it's fascinating like we're, thing. We're a bit too clean. Yeah. It's like you've got to find a line, don't you? That's it. Yeah. Just how, how clean should we be? We are losing some of these bacterias in our system and our gut biome, which is like our second brain responsible for so many of these diseases and illnesses. That is not as it should be. So we see in some tribal cultures, their gut biome is significantly different to the Western gut biome. Right. And the fascinating thing is when you take Westerners and you put them into that tribal culture, their gut biome changes really quickly, positively. Wow. So it's amazing. There's so many things. And um, yeah, we could talk more about that as well. But it, there's so many things which can influence that inflammatory process in our body. So how did you start on this journey of Wim Hof Method and ice baths and stuff? Yeah, so I heard of Wim and I heard of that study and I was just amazed because I've been a physio for 20 years and I've been, you know, probably not your traditional 
style of physiotherapist. I've been... You've like been a physio for some famous people over in the UK and stuff, right? Yeah, that's right. I was in London for nine years and part of that I was travelling around with Colin Farrell and oh, Val Kilmer and... How did I know. not know this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how cool. Yeah, so that was great. That was good times. And yes, yeah, so I was sort of in that Hollywood A-list kind of scenario there for quite a while. So I was living in central London, working in a clinic there, and typically seeing people with quite a chronicity of pain. And everyone who who sort of has got this kind of mindset, I guess, has had their own struggle. So I had this chronic, severe, debilitating back pain. And I'd seen 14 different therapists over 12 years, and it just wasn't getting better. And they were sort of doing the same stuff. But then I got to reading, it was about 2007, I think, uh, the work of John Sarno, who's an American doctor, he's, he's since passed away, but he had a total different take on how pain is produced and exacerbated in our body. And that was more to do with the mental, the mind. At that time, physiotherapy was very deep in manual therapy, so pushing on where the pain is, getting people to do specific strengthening exercises for their lower abdominals, which we since have found out it doesn't work and can actually make it worse. So <laughs> I was going through a real, um, I just had some key influences coming into my life around that time. I sort of knew about the autonomic nervous system, how that played a role in pain. But Wim, his method was the first one. As soon as I heard that study, it can influence the autonomic nervous system. I was like, wow, here's something I've got for my population of patients that is like the throat punch into that system that I've known can cause these problems in people. But now we've got a technique that can actually help that, influence that. And so what is the technique? So Wim's technique, it's very simple. It's a breathing exercise. It's a controlled hyperventilation. It's taking about 30 or 40 breaths. Um, you go fully in and then you just let it go. So you don't force the breath out. You just let it fall out. And then at the end of that, you hold on an exhale. So not on an inhale, but on an exhale. And you hold for just as long as you feel comfortable. When you feel the desire to take a breath, you breathe all the way in. You hold that breath for 10 or 15 seconds and you let it go. That's one round. So you typically do three rounds and physiologically what happens is your pH elevates, goes into a more alkaline state. So we sort of understand that bacteria, viruses and infection don't really do well. They don't thrive in a high pH. Acidic system. Yes, mm. so they thrive in the acidic system. This pH alkalinity, which is there only for a short time in the blood, Longer in other fluids in the body, like in the urine, it'll be there for, say, four plus hours. Yeah. In the blood, it's only very short, but you get this flush. It's like a reset of the pH. You hear lots of things about people trying to have alkaline diets and mm -hmm. eating alkalizing foods and stuff like that, and that's all to try and have a more alkaline body so that disease and stuff can't thrive in your body, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And yeah. what I like about Wim's method and Wim's approach to it is – he believes in the power of you. He's like, we can do this. We don't need ingestibles. And that your body wants to heal and has, wants to be healthy and it has ways that it can heal, right? But it's just got to be given the right environment. Yeah, you're right. And I think also that empowerment's been totally taken away from us over years with uh, medical systems being reliant on going to see someone for a fix or a cure. Mm -hmm. Or a band-aid. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because it's like this way of looking at, at our body that this part of our body is doing something wrong or like our body is misbehaving somehow so it has to be fixed. Yeah. But everything happens for a reason in your body, right? You know, like it's always kind of doing something. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's it. And you're right, Maddie. You know, we try and break down health 
we try and cleave things apart at the joints. Like we try and find a specific diagnosis. We want to find what's the isolated cause for this. Whereas we forget that we're actually a whole system. Our brain influences most things in our body. Mm. Our mental state, that is changed by how our body is in terms of inflammation. If our body's inflamed, our mental state changes. So I think it's getting better. We're learning that the body is connected. It's so diverse. Rather than looking for, what does the MRI show us? What does the CT scan show us? Or even what does a blood test show us? Because, you know, they can be interpreted for looking at disease process rather than looking for optimal health. So Right, and you're just looking for that one little marker, yeah. which mm. is kind of out of context in the greater scheme of the whole organism as the human body. That's and I it. wonder with blood tests, because they say like, oh, this is with an average or this is with an average, but it's like what kind of averages are we looking at? Like are these from people that have needed to take blood tests because they have some form of problem or like how... Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, how mm. are we getting these averages that we should be at when you just kind of have no idea where that's even from, you know? That's it, what is normal and who's making that choice because we've certainly seen statins is quite a controversial one, but the statin ranges has varied greatly over the last five decades. What is normal and what isn't has been changed so much and now it's been taken to be actually like it's not just I've got high cholesterol now, they look at family history and they look at a whole range of things. So it really does change so much. The other classic is inflammation, inflammatory markers, say CRP, C-reactive protein. If you go and get that tested, the normal range for that is between zero and eight. Now, if I'm at more than one, I'm freaking out, you know. That's so, a big really? range. It's huge. Mm. Yeah. So if you're at five, that's like there is a significant inflammatory process happening in your body. But if you go and have it tested, you'll be told that it's normal if it's under eight. So like I get mine tested twice a year now. And I used to be four times a year, but now it's just twice. And mine's at like 0.2. The highest it's been is 0.4. But if I had to put that into someone else's construct to analyze for me, they would have said that it's normal if it's under eight. And if mine had been five or six, which is a significantly high CRP, mm. then I would have been told and, that And normal. that's pretty tough, I guess, because it sort of depends on who you go to. Because if you've ever seen a blood test form, it is very hard to decipher if you don't know what you're looking at, you know. If yeah. you're just trying to decipher it yourself, it's near impossible. Yeah, and then you can Google it and you'll get even more confused. You'll get <laughs> yeah. even more sort of answers. That's right, yeah. Another classic is vitamin D. So looking at the normal range for that, I think it's between 50 and 150. 50, I think so, in New Zealand. But um, my baseline, if I'm under 127, I know I want to start supplementing that. These are all just my personal thoughts for my own self. This isn't health recommendations for anyone else. And how do you how do you supplement that? I take Thorn Research Vitamin D, 1,000 international units. And it's generally in these winter months where there's less sure. sun. And, you know, I've got these chalky white thighs Art Matilda, oh. so I don't... You and me both, Nigel. I'm wondering why you're wearing pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can't get them out in the sun too much. Yeah. Otherwise, I just go red. So, <laughs> And how do, you, how do you go about getting that tested? So I do my own blood work, but there are functional medicine doctors around now. Like, it's becoming a bigger space. And I know there are a few in Auckland. There's one in Hamilton that I know. So just inquire, you know, see what's out there. Mm. I also use a guy in Melbourne, Dave O'Brien, and he analyzes my bloods too annually. So he's really good. I think it is important to find someone like that to take care of your health. 
like I've got a significant amount of knowledge, but still I like my checks and balances. That's why I talked to Dave about, you know, what does he see in this? Yeah, you want to find someone you trust. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Totally. And so going back to the breathing, I've been, you know, I do it every now and then and I quite enjoy it kind of puts me in a really good mood. I actually sometimes meditate afterwards because it puts me in such a zen state, which is really nice. But one thing I find is that like, if I was to just hold my breath, maybe I could hold my breath for like two minutes just on any given day at any time. And then, That's decent. Thanks. Uh, I have actually held it for four and a half minutes once. Have you? Yeah, yeah. I was doing a freediving course and then we like spent half an hour sort of like stretching our lungs and doing these deep breaths and then I was like cool held my breath for four and a half minutes underwater and almost passed out it was quite I was um, gonna say that's sort of borderline yeah isn't it? yeah guy next to me actually did pass out <laughs> he had to be pulled up underwater yeah. well he had his head down and then the guy who was watching us the teacher I guess he like pulled him up crikey so, and by that stage you're like convulsing and stuff but anyway that's another story oh, quite, but anyway so quite the dramatic <laughs> really selling course. it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, what well, was interesting like it was actually just don't quite, try this at home kids by yeah. the way but with the Wim Hof breathing after doing say I usually do three rounds of Wim Hof breathing and at the end of that third round when I exhale all my breath and just hold that for as long as I can I can get like three and a half minutes with no air inside me before I need to breathe. Yeah. And you're not really struggling. And I'm you? not even struggling. And I'm just, I'm absolutely amazed every time. Yeah. Yeah. When you're doing the technique, you're blowing off carbon dioxide. So carbon dioxide is your body's, it's sort of the trigger for it to breathe. So if you don't have as much carbon dioxide in your body as what you did before, then your trigger to breathe won't come on. So that's why you're sort of holding your breath so long is because carbon dioxide isn't there right. and that's why it takes longer right you'll find in your first round you might hold for a minute and then you do another round and you blow off more carbon dioxide then it might be a minute and a half two minutes or something so it goes oh, right because in my head i kind of thought oh yeah maybe i've just like hyper oxygenated my my blood so my body doesn't need any oxygen so i was like oh yeah. maybe i just don't need it Is yeah that- and that's what you'd think that's like the intuition isn't it it thinks well i've taken all this air in because it's quite a powerful technique <laughs> yeah but in reality, physiologically, you're getting into the hypoxic state. So your oxygen saturation is going down, which is really fascinating. So if you had an SpO2 monitor on, your oxygen sats would be going down to maybe 70% instead of 95 to 99 But then there is the case for oxygen is being shunted into parts of the body where it wouldn't normally be rich. So it's getting squeezed up into areas where it might not have been before, like, say, the brain. But very hard to quantify that, very difficult. So this is speculation, that side of it. Certainly that hypoxic state, which is uh, controlled discomfort, say. So it's like you're putting your body into that state, and then out of controlled discomfort comes benefits. And that's that principle you were talking to in Byron Bay, um, I forgot his name. You did a podcast with him. Uh, oh, um, Chap who Drew. Had diabetes. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, Drew, Drew. Harrisburg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talked about Shout it. out, Drew. Yeah. So <laughs> he spoke about this hormesis, didn't he? So which is a small amount of stress can have profound benefits on any system. But also it's like, when do you consciously focus on your breath? And this is like 12 minutes in your morning where you get to focus consciously on your breath and then everything just melts away. So for the brain, in terms of settling down the agitation that's going on in our mind and in our lives, it's like 12 minutes you get to spend with yourself, focus solely on the breath, everything else goes away, and then you also get the physiological benefits. So the pH goes up, 
alkalinity. And then the hypoxic state, which is going to create this feeling of, it's kind of like euphoria. Yeah, yeah that's what I, how I would describe it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's so cool. It's almost like you get the benefits of mindfulness just as a byproduct. Yeah. Because it's not even really what you're focusing on, but you end up focusing on that anyway. That's like exactly how it works for me, Matt. Like, because mm. sometimes I struggle to get into a meditative state when I'm like, I want to meditate. Because I try and meditate every day. But some days it's just harder than others. I find my mind's just racing. And some days I can't even do it. I just give up. And that's yeah, okay. That's just all part of the yeah, meditative practice. Yeah, sometimes your mind just doesn't want to meditate. Yeah. But if I do Wim Hof breathing, I'm guaranteed to clear my mind. And I know that by the end of those three rounds, it's going to be completely white. And I will feel great. Or I can then do some meditation and I can fully clear my mind. That's it. It really does just, it cuts through the rubbish and it gets you in the state really quickly. It's pretty profound. And for someone who might look at meditation and, you know, they might have tried it before, but to try and still the mind and quieten that down through meditation, it's actually really difficult. It's a real art, isn't it? So this just takes away that. It's like training wheels, you know, we get guided through and our breath just takes us there Mm -hmm. and we feel it. And that's A real key thing, when you feel that, you're like, ah, so that's what it is. It's great because you can make it your own, and that's what you've done by adding in meditation afterwards. Mm. I'm very method agnostic. Like, I love Wim. I love his method. I use a variety of different breathing techniques, some to help get to sleep, for example, which you probably wouldn't do the Wim Hof method at nighttime if you're wanting to get to sleep. You'd look at a different system of breathing. Just going back to that sleep breathing, what do you Mm. do for that? Yeah, so... I think if we think about, right, what are we trying to achieve? And we come back to the autonomic nervous system, which is made up of the sympathetic system, and then the parasympathetic. So parasympathetic is your rest and digest, your calming system. The sympathetic is the flight and fight. So we want to use a kind of breathing which is going to influence that parasympathetic. So if you do a seven-second exhalation, well, you're going to be tapping into that parasympathetic. I have different techniques for different people, but I think if I can try and give the listeners something they can try straight away tonight, if you breathe in through the nose, and if you breathe out and you try and elongate that exhalation, try and make it seven seconds, and try and go through the nose for the inhalation and exhalation. So if you breathe out for seven seconds, that's great. And if you just do this for, say, five minutes put the clock on and you just breathe in and you breathe out. So when I do this, I get up to 60 second exhalation and I do two of those and then I'm asleep. Yeah. Yeah. 60 seconds for one breath. Yeah. Because I guess that's sort of telling your body, like if you're running from some form of animal or something, you're not going to be breathing out for seven seconds, are you? You know, it's (laughs) You're you're, you're absolutely right. Because people need... They need these things to be revealed to them because there's so many techniques out there. If I had answered that question by saying, well, just breathe out for seven seconds, you know, people need to understand, hey, that's going to influence your parasympathetic system. And when I'm in that state, you just spoke about, Maddie, that running away from something, threat state, well, (laughs) it's generally mouth breathing and it's Mm, going to be high in the the chest. chest. Mm. Yeah. So it makes sense to bring that breathing down and to slow it down. And then that's going to calm us. And you'll be able to tell because you'll feel the saliva in your mouth just pooling. Because that, again, is part of that rest and digest. So that parasympathetic sets us up for absorbing our food, taking on our nutrients and our food. So we need salivation. So that's how you can sort of tell as well that it's happening. I love that. Yeah, Yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, because I guess if you're in that kind of high-stress mode, it's really hard for your body to digest food, isn't it? Because it's sort of... 
puts all the blood to the muscles. Yeah, you Is got that it. right? Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> they're high stress. You're absolutely right. The blood goes from the gut to the periphery, so the outside to the arms and the legs, so you can either fight this thing that's attacking you or so that you can run away from it. Mm. And then when you think about that more, you think about IBS. You think about different conditions of the bowel, you know, you get constipation, diarrhea, and mm. that's sort of being normalised now. But is it really that we just aren't in touch with our parasympathetic? We're too overly sympathetically driven mm. and that we need to bring balance back to mean that blood can be in our gut. We promote a good environment for the digestion of food. Yeah, because IBS is a bit of a funny one, isn't it? Because it seems to be quite broad. Yeah. That like if you've got a tummy problem and you kind of don't know what it is, then chances are people you'll, will say it's IBS. Yeah, you'll or get that label. You'll That's be diagnosed it. with IBS, but what actually is that? Yeah. There's no real definition, right? And it's so prevalent in other diagnoses too, like chronic fatigue. What is that? Or um, a topic that's close to my heart, endometriosis. You know, well, mm. to have endometriosis, you need this, this, and this, and you need to fit into that criteria. And, you know, these labels are given out there. And what I like about WIMS method is that you can try these things and see if it's going to influence any state of health, because as I said at the start, inflammation is typical in most of the disease states, inflammation. So we know that WIMS technique can diminish inflammation. Mm. So just try it. Try it for 30 days, four months, whatever. But just try it and see if it does have benefits. Because anecdotally, we see so many benefits. Mm. And then in the research front, I know they're doing a trial with Lyme disease up in the Netherlands, so WIMS Dutch. They're doing studies with depression, uh, PTSD, and we're trying to get this study off the ground looking at endometriosis. The studies are coming. It's a little bit tricky. If you've got a holistic intervention that is not likely to get funded as easily as if you've mm. got a drug, you know. Yeah, yeah. right, because that's the thing. Like, This is free. This is free to do. That's it. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. A friend of mine had, well, has endometriosis, and, and she got referred to one of the top endometriosis specialists in New Zealand, and she basically told her that it had nothing to do with diet. She just essentially gave her coping mechanisms to deal with this endometriosis on a monthly basis and said it had nothing to do with diet, doesn't affect it at all, which just seemed a bit odd to me that because surely anything to do with your body has something to do with diet. You know, I just yeah. found that really quite amazing. Yeah, yeah. That, that's it. And it's a real tricky one. It's So just again, our personal story. So Jess, she had severe endometriosis. That's your wife? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so... Five surgeries, and on her last one, they opened her up for a laparoscopic procedure, and then they just closed her up. And I remember the gynecologist coming into the room, in the recovery room, and she just said, I'm sorry, hon, there's just no way you're having children naturally. Oh, I know, and it was God. just so hard, you know, and it's like... Hearing that would be really tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for a guy like me, who I think there's always a way, you know, and I try and research and hack into whatever, and I try not to take, especially with my back pain and injury, I, I just never give up, you know, you get, there's always a way. But when you get given that kind of thing from an area which I really didn't know much about, I was like, shit, is that, that's what it is. Mm. So we got a second opinion, and that opinion was the same as well. So you will not be able to have children naturally. You know, one ovary completely blocked and one obliterated, just destroyed by this horrible affliction. The interesting thing there was, in a very long story short, Jess, it was quite funny because I was saying to Jess, this was in the early years of, I didn't really understand Wim's method totally. Right. And I said, Jess, hey, I think, you know, this, and I certainly didn't understand endometriosis. I was like, Jess, this might 
help your endometriosis. You know, I'm thinking inflammatory condition and then Wim's method tends to decrease inflammation. Maybe you should try it. So I guess like any wife listening to their husband telling them they should jump in an ice bath, <laughs> Jess was like, hell no, I'm not doing that, you know. Well, telling them anything really, you know. It's, yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's almost like it has to come from a third party. It's you just know? so risky. It's just lose-lose. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, the, the funny way that it happened was then, so Jess is great and then, you know, so in the end I'd mentioned it a few more times and then she sort of said, look, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to hear any more about it. And so then I thought, yeah, actually, yeah, I shouldn't be imposing this upon you. Okay, I said, look, Jess, I won't talk about it anymore. And then three days later I was walking down the hallway and I hear this. <sighs> and I think, have I left my Wim Hof video going in the lounge? And then I walk in and here's Jess and she's doing it. Yeah. yeah. So I think uh, I think we got to tell the girls not to do things, and then they do it. Yeah. So it's yeah. like yeah, you've got to come to the conclusion on your own, sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So she started the method. Yeah, she started the method, and then twelve weeks later, she fell pregnant. So yeah, <gasps> what? in so, twelve weeks. Yeah, three months. So that's amazing. And oh, that almost makes me want to cry. That's I know, so isn't it? cool. That's so cool. And and our, and our little boy Henley, his middle name is Wim, and that was Jess's idea. So I've got a postgraduate in health science. So that part of me says, well, hey, that's great, but could it have been something else? Mm. So that part of me said, yeah, well, we've got to now prove it with no speculation. Can this method help endometriosis? Can it help? So that's why over the last three years I've been working on this study with Dr. Marty Bevan from down at Waikato University, and it's all ready to go. We're going to take 90 subjects, 30 in the control 30 in a group where we're just going to be doing the cold part, just the ice, and then 30 in a part where we're going to be doing the cold and the breathing. And we're going to see, can this change the symptoms of and the biomarkers of endometriosis? So if it comes back that yes, it can, well, that's great. But if it comes back that no, it's probably just a coincidence what happened in our case, well, okay, we might have to change Henley's middle name. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's why, and that's what I love about Wim. He's like, that's a, such an awesome story. Let's find out. Mm. Yeah. Have you heard any other stories that are similar to that? I have, yeah, yeah, from a German doctor. So she had exactly the same scenario as that. And we have had other anecdotal reports of this helping endometriosis. And that's not enough. So that's why we're doing the study and we're going to find out. So I it, can't wait to find out the results of the great. study. Yeah. Endometriosis is a big problem now, yeah. isn't it? And it seems to be getting worse. Yeah. It seems it's to be more probably, and more women are getting diagnosed with it. It's a real it's problem. Related to inflammation and then inflammation mm. related to stress in some form. Yeah. yeah so if that can help yeah. it, that'll be huge. It's an interesting one. Yeah. Jess, is, she remains symptom free. You know, people will tell you there is no cure for endometriosis. So I'm not saying that this is a cure for endo. That no. I'm trying to make that clear and that there's more work to do. This is just the start. We're trying to raise money for the study too. It's about, I think it's about 250000 or something like that to get it done. Mm-hmm. We're trying to do things with Wim Hof where we get him out here and we do this kind of event, which is hoping to raise money for this study. Yeah, so cool. that's what's going on. Cool. Yeah. So if people are listening and they want to try and help the cause or donate yeah. or somehow is the way they can do that. Yeah. So there is the Wim Hof Foundation. Mm-hmm. I've been part of that since it's started up. I wonder if there's a, a website for that. If there is, I'll give it to you and you can put the link in the show we notes. We can put it in the show notes yeah. for sure. Here's a quick message from our sponsor, Subaru. Every new Subaru in New Zealand has all-wheel drive as standard. So this means that no matter what kind of road or surface you find yourself on, with Subaru's all-wheel drive, you can drive in confidence. But what does all-wheel drive mean? Great question, Matt. Thanks for asking. 
All-wheel drive distributes power to all four wheels, which gives you twice the grip of those vehicles that aren't all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. All-wheel drive is just one of the many safety features that Sabara's five-star safety range has, and it gives us comfort that Baby Green will be travelling both safely and in style in our Sabaros. Another awesome thing people don't realise about Subarus is that you don't have to pay extra for all-wheel drive. It's included in the price. So check out the Subaru all-wheel drive range at subaru.co.nz. So the other part of the Wim Hof method involves ice baths or mm. cold water immersion. That's it. What's the deal with that? Yeah, so that comes back to this controlled discomfort. And if we again think about the why, because if I just say, hey guys, go and do ice baths, you know, I'll probably get the same response as what Jess gave me. Whereas if we understand how this could help, like if we see that we're living in this world now, in this Western world, which is this controlled comfort, we've got heat pumps, we've got you know, flat pavements even. We've got cars with nine airbags. You know, we're feeling this sense of safety everywhere we are. You know, and in the cars now, we've got one side of our air conditioning which goes to like 19.5 degrees where we can have the passenger at like 20 degrees. You mm. know, since when do we need a 0.5 of a degree discrepancy <laughs> between passenger and driver? It's like, it's so crazy. Heat pumps now in, in every home. and Yeah, that's right. Like, we're never cold. Yeah. Really, are we? I mean, Maddie and I, we sort of have little arguments about this every now and then, don't we? Yeah. Well, we're very privileged to be able to have that, though, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, lighting a fire and stuff, but like, yeah. I'm all... After, you know, meeting you and doing, um, being introduced to the Wim Hof method and this sort of, um, I guess, the idea of the fact that we are just in such stress-free environments most of the time in terms of the heat and environment and stuff. Like, I I do try and make myself uncomfortable every now and then, but <laughs> it's yeah. hard to have an, an uncomfortably cold house yeah. and uh, yeah. for Maddie to be happy with it as well. Yeah, well, I am still slowly coming to terms with, you know, because I'm a big fan of comfort. Not ashamed to say it. I like being comfortable. But since doing that that one um, session with you probably a year and a half ago now, I think. Yeah. I do try and keep it in the front of my mind that it's like you don't have to be completely comfortable all the time. Then it is normal to get a bit cold or like a bit too hot sometimes or, yeah. you know, and just kind of go with it, I guess. Sunglasses is another one. So I never wear sunglasses. Mm. If, if I was up in the snow, I probably would to stop snow blinders. But, you know, typically it's just you go to accessories, sunglasses, yeah, right, when you leave the yeah. house. But that is dampening down our visual response, so in terms of light perception. So why are we actually wearing those? We don't really need them. What about wrinkles? What are your thoughts on that? It's a thing. It's a big thing. You know, because then if you're constantly frowning and squinting, you know, it's a factor. It's a factor yeah. that come, comes into play, but I guess you've just got to put that aside, don't you? It's vanity. Just, yeah. just, Who cares about um, that? Who cares about vanity? <laughs> <laughs> No, I certainly don't. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> We're solving the big issues here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> totally. But that's it. And Maddie, I'm, I'm the same. I love comfort. And Jess always takes the mickey of me because in bed, like, I just put so many blankets on and I've got a big duvet and I just have all these blankets on my side and her side is she doesn't have them, you know? <laughs> I love a nice heavy duvet on top of me. It's like a warm hug. It's the best. It's lovely, eh? So you don't have to be uncomfortable all the time and you mm. don't have to live in a 16 degree house. But I think it's important to acknowledge that back in the 50s, the average house temperature was sort of between 16 and 18 degrees. And now we're looking at passive houses of 22 degrees. And our DNA hasn't changed, but our perception of what is comfortable has. Mm -hmm. And the marketing that's coming in to tell us that we need this at this degree, you know, I think we just make ourselves aware that, okay, there are these forces out there trying to instill this 
comfort in us. Like by wearing these shoes with air cushion comfort to, oh, we don't want to feel the ground. We want to minimize shock. And, you know, I walk up the mount where I'm from, Mount Monganui, all the time, barefoot. Mm. People all the time look at me and say, you're crazy. Yeah, but I'm they like, say, what if there's a sharp stone or yeah, something? <laughs> yeah. In fact, I, we walked up once together, yeah, you right. and I, yeah with, yeah, with bare feet, and we did get asked a few questions. Yeah, that's yeah. it, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's funny, so sometimes it depends how much I want to invest into that person. It might be like, hey, well, this is why I do it. And then I might just take them for half an hour and explain to them why we do it, you know? <laughs> or you just can't be bothered, and you're just yeah. like, <laughs> cool, have a nice day, bye. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I think introducing this discomfort in our lives is important. And if we think of we're on that threshold of when does our sympathetic nervous system come on? That's the flight and fight system. When is it coming on? So often we'll see it coming on too soon. So it'll come on when our phone goes or when we get a text notification or when we get an email from our boss or any of those things or someone pulls out on our plans last minute. But okay, should that be going off then? No, not really. It should be going off when there's a threat to our life yeah, or to our body or whatever. So how do we improve that threshold so it elevates up to where it should be? Well, if we go into an ice bath and we're sitting in there and we know the construct around that controlled discomfort, it just resets our body. So our amygdala, our smoke alarm in the body, you could think of it, that says, well, art sitting in the ice? I really thought that was going to kill him because I've read that if you spend like five minutes in the ice, you'll die. But actually, he's breathing and he's calm, oh, actually, I might change that threshold for that to come on. Mm. And what's fascinating in, in my sort of work is when I see people with chronic pain, your amygdala, can it takes inputs in. So it takes an, an input and it can funnel it down the everything is okay pathway or it can funnel it down the holy heck, we're in real danger here. Now, if you've had chronic pain, which is pain for only a matter of weeks, it's not very long, the amygdala will then blunt down the everything is okay response. And it will elevate the catastrophizing response. What's really interesting is that everyone's afraid of the cold when they come to the workshops. And I'll ask them again tomorrow and like 80% of them will put their hands up. But once they understand it, then they rationalize it. It can be done and you can be in the ice for many, many minutes. You come out feeling great. You feel like 10 mm. men afterwards. And you feel proud of yourself as well because you go into this thing with such a preconceived notion of how it's going to be. Because I was very sceptical ahead of the ice bath. So yeah. I was just like, I don't really want to, you know. <laughs> I don't think I really enjoy cold water that much, so I don't think I'll yeah. do it. But then when we did the breathing, I thought, well, I've come this far. I may as well give it a go. And it was incredible, yeah. and it's just such a cool feeling because you think, I didn't know that I could do that, and I can. It's really awesome. Absolutely, and that's what Wim is big into. You know, we just don't believe what we're really capable of, mm. and he tries to help us see that through this breathing and through that mindset and through the cold immersion, the controlled, no force, you don't force it. But when you sort of pay that cold respect and you go in with intent, with focus, and also with the background knowledge of how it works and, and why – then you can get so much out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I love it. I've been um, doing it, yeah, for like two years now. I actually really like winter because then I can go swimming in the sea and it's cold enough to kind of feel uh, a bit of a benefit from that. Also, cold showers. Yeah. Cold showers every morning. Great, uh, yeah. I can't really put my finger on exactly why I do it and why I, it makes me feel better and how and all that sort of thing. But all I know is that I keep doing it because... Because you feel good. It makes, it makes feel me good. feel good, yeah. 
Yeah, mm. it's so good, isn't it? I hop into the shower and I see, because Jess has been in before me and it's always down cold, you know, so I see she's always done her cold shower. It's and so cool. I can't not do one if, you know, she's done it. And yeah. But yeah, you put it to cold at the end and boy, it feels great afterwards, eh? Yeah. Don't get me wrong, like it is hard for me to do an ice bath too. You know, I've been doing it for years, but there is still that piece of me that doesn't really look forward to it, you know. So mm. if you're out there and you're thinking that, well, that's normal. But then when you can go into that, then you just feel so great afterwards. And that's what helps me get into the next one. But it is tough. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I thought that I would build up almost like an immunity to it and that I wouldn't feel the cold as much. But I haven't changed at all. It's still, every cold shower is still a shock to the system yeah. when the first bit of cold water hits my body. Yeah. And going swimming, we went down to just a lake, uh, like Rotuiti in the middle of the North Island, and that was, you know, middle of winter, and it was really cold. And I thought that it wouldn't feel as cold as it did, but it does. Yeah. <laughs> Great you're getting into the lakes because, you know, on the workshops we get into the ice. We go into the ice because we are in Queenstown a couple of weeks ago, but we still took down the ice baths because I want people to feel a two-degree ice bath. You know, Lake Wakatipu was about six to eight. Too warm. Yeah, too warm. What do you you want a pina colada in there? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I want them to feel that real cold. But then it doesn't have to be ice all the time. Don't use the excuse like I don't have a bath or an ice, a supply of ice because you need a lot of ice. Get into nature. And Jess and I were in Lake Wakatipu every morning at seven in the morning. Mm. We had uh, Dom Bowden. He's a superstar because he really started that off for us down there. He he came down to the workshop and he's like, Nige, I want to get in the lake tomorrow. If you can build that community of people who are going to help you into these things, like the more the better. Mm. So find someone that you connect with that wants to do it and they can be your buddy with it. So Dom, he got us in there on the first day. Then on the next day, he brought Jace Gunn down as well. And he had never done any cold work before. So good. And he was just fizzing. He loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really great. I love seeing Jess in the cold, like for her to get in. And she was so epic in there. So mm. that's another thing about this method. If you can try and get your partner on board with it too, it really helps because it's such a great way to take away the stresses of life. And, you know, these days we've got two little kitties. There's so many stresses out there. Well, yeah. Everyone's wanting more, more, more out of us. So we need to fill up our own cup. Yeah. And this is a great way to do it. Simple breathing. Simple exposure to cold, so easy. And it's such a great way to just pull you completely into the moment because you can't really think about anything else. Like if you're quite cold, concentrating on your breathing and you're in this freezing cold water, it's like you've really got to focus to keep hold of your breath, don't you? So you don't kind of get a bit, Yeah. yeah. And that, that doesn't really happen in our typical lives. You see people outside now, they can't just be standing there doing nothing. They've got to be on the phone. People can't do yeah. nothing anymore. Like even if you're, like if someone's five minutes late for a coffee date or something, you can't just sit there, yeah. you know, because like, I don't know where to look or like what to do. So I feel like I have to go straight on my phone. So we never really have those moments of quiet where you're just yeah. by yourself. Just before we came into the studio to start this recording, we went to a cafe you went to the bathroom, so I was sitting there by myself, and I went through this exact thing in my head. I got my phone out of my pocket, and then I was like, no, nah, I'm going to put it down. So I put it down. And then because I did that, I started looking around, and then I found that little magazine, that yeah. cool magazine that was sitting right next to me, which I wouldn't have found 
yeah. if I was straight away looking on my phone. But mm. a lot of the time, like, if there's no magazines around, it's like, what do you do? Where do you look? You know, yeah. it kind of, like, it feels so foreign to us now. Yeah. Whereas, like, it was so, so normal just being by yourself and not having anything around, just mm. sitting and waiting. That's right. Or, heaven forbid, talking to the stranger next to you. I know. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I can't handle that. <laughs> <laughs> My dad, he's so good at that. He just talks to anyone, anywhere. Oh, and, dads, um, eh? They, yeah. Because yeah. their generation aren't quite scrollers, are they? They can just sit and wait and chat to people and they chat to people in lines and, you know, like we can be like, oh, stink, embarrassing. But, you know, that's normal. That's social interaction with other humans, which we're supposed to do, you that's know? That's it. Yeah, which is yeah. a massive thing, eh? You know, I think it was Richie Hardcore I was listening to. He mentioned Johan Hari. He's got this great book all about these lost connections in our mm. lives, which are really having a severe impact on how we go about our daily lives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. I'm all for that apart from aeroplanes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. I can't handle that. Yeah, I, yeah. Just, <laughs> I don't want to talk. I yeah. just want to put my headphones in and watch something. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, um, one question I had, actually, because I've recently also got a Shakti mat, and so I've been oh, yeah. lying on a Shakti mat and just kind of controlling my breathing, controlling my stress response. Would that have the same effect as cold water immersion? Yeah, it works on the same principle in that the Shakti mat is eliciting this controlled discomfort again. So the spiky little plastic discs on there are giving you a pain stimulus. And then you rationalize that in your body and then you calm down. And then you'll probably find that the saliva will build in your mouth when you're lying there and you just bring your respiration rate down. So you breathe less and you probably breathe deeper. You breathe in through your nose and it just slows everything down. So that's another great way to elicit that response. And I think those things are great because, and I remember seeing an SAS guy with PTSD. Now there was no way he was getting in the ice. And that, that's the thing. For some people who are really at in sympathetic overload, the ice will be their worst thing they could possibly do. We don't want to shock them in that extreme stimulus. So I started him on a Shakti mat mm. and we build up that controlled discomfort from there. Again, the sauna work, which I was alluding to earlier, that's another form of controlled discomfort, but it's got to be really hot. It's got to be like 85 degrees centigrade, wow. which is really hot. And you'll find most saunas in New Zealand will probably go probably to 55 it's just not enough to stimulate that response. And we're wow. seeing a lot of looking into hot sauna therapy for mental health now. Really? It's amazing. You take people with depression, put them in a hot sauna at 85 degrees centigrade, and their depression symptoms diminish. And it stays like that for six weeks. It's quite a long, yeah. That's amazing. You're yeah. doing nothing other than Just saunas. sauna work, yeah. Wow. Because wow. I guess 85 degrees probably wouldn't be that comfortable or enjoyable no. that's no and that's like, another thing quite tough it, it needs to be like a gradual non-forced exposure to that mm. so you look at studies coming out of uh, Scandinavia looking at the benefits of that for cardiovascular health so people who do three saunas a week have far less mortality with cardiovascular disease so there's a lot of other benefits dementia so so a lot of sort of brain health benefits to exposing yourself to these discomforts. Wow, it's so interesting. I want a sauna. Yeah. yeah Get home. one of those barrel saunas. They look so great. They look so cool. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I don't think we'd be allowed to turn up the gym sauna to yeah. 85. Because nah. <laughs> that's the thing. In the gym, it's going to be a health and safety fire risk. You know, if someone yeah. leaves a copy of, uh, you know, the Reader's Digest in there or something, it yeah. could burst into flames. Mm. So you probably Bloody won't hell. find it in your gym. So if people want to do some cold water immersion stuff... They should start by trying it in the shower first. Yeah. So when I first got into this, when I saw 
what this had done in that study, I thought, I've got to try it. And I got into it more for my population of patients that I see. I thought, right, I'm going to try this because I think it could be a great tool. And then the first thing was to do a 30-second cold shower at the end of your warm. So I got in there. I thought, yeah, I can do anything. And I got out after 10 seconds. It was just too much. And it was September that I started. And it wasn't the middle of winter, you know. I was like, far out. That made me think, well, if that's how I feel, and I think I'm pretty sort of normal, wow, what really is my sympathetic system like? So that's when I gradually got more and more into it. So even if you don't feel in a rut or whatever the normal symptoms of poor mental health are, even if you don't feel it, they'll show up when you expose yourself to cold or discomfort. So my recommendation is to finish your normal shower with 30 seconds on cold. Just start there. You can do it from the chest down, so you don't even have to put your head under to start with and just build up from there. The next week might be a minute, the next week two minutes, then the next week you might do a minute at the start before you warm. Just make a start. Yeah, I find the first 30 seconds, the first 30 seconds to a minute, I just have cold showers most of the time now. And uh, I, yeah, 30 seconds to, unless I'm going to wash my hair, in which case I have a hop. It's a bit of a treat. Um, and uh, the first, yeah, 30 seconds to a minute is uncomfortable. But then after that, I start to enjoy it. That's right. And same for me, man. Like the first part of it, it, it isn't like all a box of cherries. You know, it's, um, it is tough. But then out of that toughness, I know there'll be reward. Totally. Just give it a go. Yeah. And so this is also quite beneficial, uh, some of the stuff for sports performance, right? Yeah. And so you're working with some teams at the moment? Yeah, it's been great. This year I've worked with the Wallabies, so I helped set up a performance strategy for them. And then I was only back from my first camp with them where... Yeah, I had a meeting with Nick Gill, who's also been on the podcast. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so and now I'm with the All Blacks, um, helping cool. them. So Great. Yeah, it's been fascinating being in both camps, being with the Wallabies and being with the All Blacks. And I think we give Michael Checker such a hard time, and it's not deserved because he's such a great guy. Mm. He's a real innovative thinker. Yeah, I really... Who is that? Oh, he's the coach of the Wallabies. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, great question. Yeah, that's right. So so what about the stuff that you're doing with these elite athletes? Is it similar to the stuff that you do in your other workshops with the regular folk? Kind of, but, you know, I'm just building on the foundation that's been laid by... When you walk into that All Blacks environment, you look around and you see... Gilbert Anoka, who's been there for like 13 years. He's the mental skills coach. To have a mental skills coach, wow, that's amazing, isn't it? So, yeah. really and, cool. and he's been there for a long time. Then you've got Nick Gill, of course. He's been there for about the same amount of time. You've got Pete Gallagher. He's been there for years and years as well, over a decade. So they've got a real good fundamental premise for the importance of mental skills. So I just added in some things that I thought could be helpful for them. And that is around this breath work. So it's all to do with their mental skills rather than anything like physical that you'd normally associate, say, ice baths with for like sports performance? You know, that's a really good question because ice baths for recovery have been part of the sport arena for at least a couple of decades now, maybe longer, right? And that's when people would stand in a wheelie bin or something and cover their legs. And this is that typical, you know, I was talking medical approach of isolation. Well, they just put their legs in there thinking they're going to get this vasoconstriction, vasodilation, whereas really people should be looking at well, actually, I'm trying to influence my autonomic nervous system because performance is on that same spectrum as, say, mental health. Physical health, mental health, performance, it's all on the same thing. Mm. You cannot perform optimally if you have agitation 
or anxiety or depression. So it's all on the same spectrum with the underlying cause of that being either inflammation or that unsettled autonomic nervous system. So instead of doing ice baths for recovery, and the data on that is, well, it's sort of a little bit weak, maybe, um, in terms of for recovery. But when you look at those studies that did show the weak benefits, that's because they only went up to their hips. That's because they did it straight after they'd done their sport. They didn't actually approach it from, hey, I'm actually going to steal my resolve here by going in up to my neck and influencing that autonomic nervous system rather than the body part that's just done some work. Mm. Because that doesn't actually work that well. So ice baths for recovery, I'd rather, and this is certainly what we've done with the wallabies, we have implemented that as part of their practice. So that's in part of their week. They would go into the ice up to their neck, you know, not just as part of like, oh, this is training. Okay, we'll do this after training for recovery. So we approach it more from the how is it going to improve or influence our system rather than our body part. You know, sort out that autonomic nervous system, which can be influenced, we've known that now, and then you will get physical performance gains out of it, as well as that mental clarity, mental stability, focus, all of those things that an elite sportsman actually wants. You'd be surprised how many of these elite rugby players jump out of the ice. You know, is that right? Yeah, yep. yeah. More than on my workshops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. So no, but that's the thing, eh? Like it affects everyone the same. It's yeah. the real leveler. I always think it's a real leveler jumping yeah. in the ice. Mm. Yeah, they suffer from the same conditioning that we do. They're not these Spartan warriors which are immune to the normal stresses that you and I are. You know, they feel all that. And probably to a higher degree because they've got the threat of selection issues. You know, there's that hovering over them. Injury, what's going to happen? You know, concussion now. You know, we're seeing concussion plays a massive part. Contract negotiations, you know, do I stay here or do I do this or whatever. Public scrutiny so much. Yeah, that's it. If you're an all-black or an elite sportsman now, you can't step out of line even a tiny bit. No way. Everyone's watching, and that delivers this degree of anxiety around what you do. So you cannot make a mistake. That's right. Wow. See, so you've got to fill your own cup up. You've got to yeah. expose yourself to these controlled discomforts to make yourself more resilient. So Element Health, tell us a bit more about Element Health, because that's the workshop that you're doing tomorrow. Yeah. So I've got a physio clinic down in Tauranga. It's called Knee and Spinal Clinic. I set that up when I got back from London because I just saw people with back pain, neck pain, and knee pain, I just, I thought they were getting operations too early when it wasn't really necessary. So I thought, okay, how do I differentiate from a a standard physio clinic? Because there's one on every corner. So I thought, okay, I'll name my clinic Knee and Spinal Clinic, because then at least I'll capture that. So I did that, that went great. But then I was sort of teaching people about depression and anxiety, and Knee and Spinal didn't really fit into that. (laughs) So I created this brand, Element Health. And I thought, well, that just gathers together all the elements and then we can put into that and it's going to be ever-evolving because there's always in this field we're learning more with each day. Mm-hmm. So, you um, know everything. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a real flexible brand that we can put these workshops under. We did a great multi-day retreat down in Paradise. Have you been down there? That, yeah, out I did past a Paradise. You did? Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful down there. You know, we live in this country which has got so many beautiful accessible spaces, eh? And mm. it's just... Incredible. We kind of take it for granted, eh? We're very totally. lucky. Very lucky. So we did a great workshop down there last year. So this year has been more about, you know, I've been consulting with a lot of the sports teams, a couple of the NRL teams as well. So I've been pulled in many different directions. So I've been doing these fundamental workshops, 
We've got another one in Queenstown, which hasn't been announced yet, but it will be by the time this is out. That'll be in September. But I really would like to do more and take people a little bit deeper into the practice, like maybe um, three-day experiences. Because I think when people do really get the chance to switch off and when they can make that human connection with the other people in the group, it's so powerful. Mm. And that's been my experiences with Wim. You know, when I first met him, I did a retreat with him and there were only 30 of us on the retreat and it was a live-in, you know, we're all in these dorm rooms and he was living in with us and and it was just fantastic. And the friendships and the bonds that are made since then and, you know, helping people through different things, it's just been great. And so I think when you build all that together, I think that's a real powerful experience. Mm. So I'm just working out how we can actually incorporate that as an experience for people. But in the meantime, yeah, we've got the fundamental workshops, which at least give people that taste, that experience of it. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, if people want to find you on social media or your website, what are those dates? Yeah, so Element Health NZ on the social pages or elementhealth.co.nz and then for my clinic where I do see people for all ranges of things, that's kneeandspinal.co.nz. And uh, I also see people from overseas via Skype too. So we do Skype consults and... It's just amazing what that's opened up. Like I'm seeing one of the world's top ocean swimmers who wants to go and do a never-before-done swim over in America through, I think it's like one of the fastest tidal flows in the world <gasps> amongst the great white shark breeding grounds. Oh, my right? God. Yeah, so it's like these people have come to me and say, hey, can you help me do that? Yeah. Yeah, sure I can. <laughs> Guess, yeah, these feats have got to get more and more extreme, eh? Because everyone's done everything now. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, so you just got to add sharks to the mix. Yeah, why not? Oh, my God. And the very important last question. Oh, yeah. If you could have three foods, three foods only for the rest of your life, what would they be? Oh, yeah. So I do know you asked that question, and that has been my biggest struggle this whole week. It's a toughie. I know, it is, eh? It is. Mm -hmm. And then I was trying to say, oh, food's a bad experience, you know, because you can go to Italy, you can be in Tuscany, you can be drinking the local wine, and it's just so amazing. There's never a better glass of wine ever. And then... You buy one and you take it back and it doesn't taste good. Yeah. Isn't that? I know exactly what you mean. That's so true. It's like, ah, it's because I'm not in Italy. That's why. But I I really love a good, soft, freshly baked sourdough bread. Oh, yeah. I love that with with a bit of butter, you know, with a lot of butter on it. I love that. That's technically two. Oh, if yeah, we're it is. So I've only got one more. That's the second thing. Yeah. <laughs> to... Okay, so so far, mm. bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. And then oh, the other thing I really love, and you know this art, is I just I love cooking over fire. I love cooking meat over fire. And I do that four nights a week. It's a real outlet for me. So, yeah, I think, you know, the front wheel of a lamb or a, mm. a pork shoulder. Just yeah. a good piece of meat. Just slow yeah. roasted. Yeah, I don't think I could ever get sick of that, actually. I don't know. Sourdough, butter, and a delicious yeah. piece of meat. Yeah, good combination. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. That's all you need. And actually, just one more question. Going back to the start, when you said you were the physio for Colin Farrell. Yeah. So I'm just keen to know, what's he like in real life? Oh, yeah. So Colin, he, he's great. He's, um, you know, Irish actor. You know, he's the same age as me, and we, we just got along so great. And he was very generous too. Like he'll do things that no one would ever know. Like I remember he gave 5,000 US dollars to a Thai orphanage when we were there. And oh, cool. yeah, just little things like that. And he really does care about people. He's great. We got on along famously. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I yeah. Oh, I knew Colin would be like that. Oh, yeah. what a way to end the podcast. <laughs> Colin. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for your time, Nigel. That Absolute pleasure. Really cool. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. 
Thanks for listening. Thank you indeed. This podcast is brought to you by Raw Collective. And for any updates on our podcast or any of the other podcasts under Raw, head to rawcollective.co or you can follow them on Instagram at raw underscore collective.co. But wait, before you go, please subscribe to our podcast and also rate it and review it. Leave a nice little message. Leave a smiley face, maybe an emoji. (laughs) Or tell your friends. It's super easy. It takes two seconds and it would mean so much to us. Bye. Bye.